Welcome to the Conscious Fire Culture. We give you direct access to healers, practitioners, and shamans as we explore alternative medicine for wildland firefighters. The mission is to break the stigma of mental health in wildland fire and lower the suicide rates. Our intention is to guide you through a transformation that creates a ripple effect in our community. Welcome, I'm so excited you've made it. All right, check this out. Mountain Mind Tricks and the Wildland Wellness Foundation are coming together for this amazing collaboration. This is going to be the most powerful thing to come to the Wildland Fire community in a long time, I think. And that is, you know, master plant ceremonies mixed with holistic medicine, with acupuncture, chiropractors, so the breakthrough session, all these things coming into one to support you, the wildland firefighter, to help you regain your mental health, your physical health, and get back to peak performance as soon as possible. Because when we work with master plants and essential oils and acupuncture and chiropractic and mental emotional release, when we put all these together, it is a powerful transformational experience that really it's it's beyond words because once you're touched by the divine once you're in touch with that healing energy of the universe with that innate power for you to heal yourself there's no stopping it it's like a runaway train it's like you're gonna start healing you're gonna have a transformation that has this ripple effect that goes beyond just you and your family but to your crew to your fire station to your you know your workstation to your forest to your region to the community and really what we want to do is is give you the most amazing ceremonial experience and back that up with the integration how do you take those experiences and come back to 3d reality and implement them implement those lessons those realizations that are so deep and profound that your entire life changes how do you integrate those you know one of my great mentors once told me it's like you get a puzzle and all the pieces are all spread out but then you get to start putting that puzzle back together into a new way a new possibility a new way of being and that's that's what the foundation is working on you know the first retreat is the end of january of 2022 and if that's interesting to you i want you to go to the wildlandwellnessfoundation.com check that out and just schedule a call with melissa and See if it's a good fit. Again, that's wildlandwellnessfoundation.com. The foundation of Mountain Mind Tricks is the breakthrough sessions for wildland firefighters. And it's one of the most rewarding things I've ever done in my entire life is to guide somebody through an awakening experience, remembering that they have the power to heal and giving them the tools to release the anger, sadness, fear, hurt, and guilt from their past, and to truly release it, to let it go. And when I see these transformations in my clients, it's like night and day. There's before the breakthrough session, and then there's after. And there's just so many times that their transformation touches me that I, I cry. Like it, it's so powerful and joyful to see that transformation inside them. And and there's there's so many modalities out there there is acupuncture and traditional therapy and plant medicine and but I love the breakthrough session I think it's an amazing adjunct to all these other things or even western medicine and the breakthrough session is so important to me because it's what changed my life 
It's what allowed me to completely let go of my anxiety and to move forward and to become the healer that I am today, to start my own company, Mountain Mind Tricks. Like that's, that's because of the breakthrough session. Without that, there wouldn't be any of this. And so if you're interested in a breakthrough session to really overcome the blocks in your life, to let it all go, to really step into your light and be who you know you could be, if you want that to happen for you, just go to mountainmindtricks.com, go ahead and click that button, alternative mental health, scroll through there if it looks like something you want. Let's, let's schedule a discovery session. Let's just chat about it. Let's have a talk to make sure it's a good fit. So again, go to mountainmindtricks.com and click the alternative mental health button. Welcome to the podcast and the show today. I'm so excited to have Melissa Moore join us and we're just going to jam on our story on the project that we're working on and wildland firefighter mental health more the alternative side. I'm so excited. And Melissa, like, I feel so grateful to have you in my life. I'm so appreciative that we've met, that we've started this collaboration. And and just thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Thomas. It's um, an honor and a blessing for me to be working with you. And, you know, ever since um, you kind of helped, you helped with that website, and we've gotten this um, project off the ground. I've made so many other really beautiful connections in the community that I'm so grateful for. So um, thank you for this opportunity to share this time with you today. Yeah, absolutely. And and so, you know, we're, we're launching a new podcast right here, right now, the Conscious Fire Culture. And really, you know, this was an idea that was birthed out of us just jamming on like, how can we reach more people, right? And it's like, um, it came to me like let's just let's just do a podcast specifically on alternative medicine for wildland firefighters because um, you know there's some other fire podcasts out there that are amazing that are great um, but I wanted to focus like specifically on consciousness on energy on healing on plant medicine on you know hypnosis all the different different types of modalities that we can use to heal it's not just you know the medication the western way the kind of the plain Jane of all this stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's um hundred ways to skin a cat, you know? And a lot of the time what we're offered by traditional medicine or traditional methods, it can help it can help, but a lot of the times we kind of reach a, a plateau and um we need we need to kind of look for other other methods. Yeah. And I guess, I guess for me, the idea of like, like alternative versus complementary, like I, I've been a practitioner for a long, for three years now. Um, and it took me a little bit to really wrap my mind around that of like complementary is like, we're taking Western, we're taking acupuncture, we're doing hypnosis, we're doing plant medicine. Like you're like building a team. And this is like the vision I have for my clients of like, let's like, let's build a team around you for your healing where alternative is like, no, we're saying, alternative is like this is a totally different separate way of doing it with this modality and i think there's a place for both of those but i guess that's my like my vision is is giving our wildland firefighter community like access to these healers to these practitioners to these shamans to create a complementary team around them to build like a possibility to build this future of health yes precisely like um, 
giving people options, providing options, you know, like um, when I was training, getting ready to go through rookie and, you know, for pretty much most of my off seasons, I was working on, you know, a lot of trauma stuff, working with my therapist and in conjunction with that created a team of acupuncturists, body workers and folks to really help um, support you know, this um, kind of processing that I was doing. And I found that to be really key in my success. And um, so that's something that I really hope that we can kind of show people and demonstrate for them is like, there are a lot of options out there and you just have to be open. And if you're open, then um, then the possibilities are endless, you know? And that's just the the first step is just opening your, yourself up to like, what what else is out there for me to 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 learn and integrate like what other methods are out there that I can't necessarily see or like taste or touch, but, um, but what's like calling to me, does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and I think, um, you know, I was just listening to a podcast with Dr. Joe Spenza uh, yesterday and, and what he was talking about is like, okay, you healed yourself, you're healthy, you're back to health. Now what? And I think this is like the end state that I, I I had just had this vision for our wildland fire community of like, you know, let's get our health back, the mental health crisis. Let's end that. Like that's, that is the goal. And that's, that's a huge goal. That's gigantic. But when somebody goes through this transformation, this healing process that we're talking about, like having a complementary group of practitioners and really overcoming their trauma or an illness, like once they're healed, it's like, now what, what are you going to do now? And it's like, I want to, I want to help create that ripple effect where maybe that person goes back to their crew and helps people on their crew integrate. Or, um, you know, I always call it, there's always a crew therapist on every single crew where everybody goes to that person. It's usually a woman and, and, and they, they, they really do therapy in the field. Like, I don't think that's really recognized. There's no task book for that, but like, I just want to see this ripple effect of, these wildland fire therapists out there in the field, basically of like helping on the ground. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And really what it comes down to is like peer support, you know, like that's what we're doing out there on the line with each other every day. when we're like, Hey bro, like looks like you're having a rough day or like what's going on. Like we work with each other day in and day out and we are able to, to really like, provide each other intuitively with peer support. And, and I think a lot of us are doing that every day, but we could take it even deeper, you know, take it even deeper and show people, you know, go like show people what does it look like to actually like tackle these, these experiences that, um, that we spend a lot of our time, you know, trying to avoid encountering. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And so Melissa, I wanted to ask you like, you know, we've talked about this a bit, but I, I wanted to go a little bit deeper into like, how did you get here? Like, how did you get to your healing journey? Like, what was the facilitation for that? And 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 then we're, we're just going to kind of jam on this because I want to tell you my story and I want to just open up to the audience who everybody's uh, everybody's listening and just like, this is where we're coming from is like, we've been through this, like we're in it right now. Like we're always in a healing journey, but there's I would love to hear from you. Like, how did you get here? Well, that's, that's quite, um, quite a story, I guess. And I, I'll, um, do my best to kind of provide a synopsis, but you know, I, um, grew up in, in a 
household with parents that loved me. Um, but they were very young and didn't really know how to take care of me. And when I was two, I um, was camping with my family. And um, my mom was, like, taking care of some things around camp. And um, I, like, toddled into the lake. And they found me, like, floating face down. I'm sorry that these dogs are barking my neighbor. It's kind of distracting. Um, so, so yeah. So, from the very beginning, I guess, in my life, um, I didn't feel safe. And um, I wasn't really, yeah, I didn't feel safe. I wasn't necessarily with people and caretakers that um, really took care of me. And so I had to take care of myself. Um, and it's kind of, I endured a lot of um, emotional abuse when I was young. Um, I'm uncovering right now some sexual abuse. And as I grew, you know, got into my adolescent years, I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of pain. I didn't really know what to do with. And... Um, I just was pretty, pretty lost. I moved in with my dad at that point who I hadn't, my parents divorced when I was five. And, um, so I had been living with my mom and she had a, an alcoholic, um, I guess like they didn't marry till later, but anyway, so, and then about when I was like 11 or 12, that's when I started like Smoking cigarettes, smoking weed, drinking a lot, just kind of, that was the first time I was sexually assaulted. Um, I moved in with my dad. I kind of started rebelling. I had a lot of anger. My dad, um, you know, he has his own, had his own set of trauma and, and uh, it just kind of uh, clashed a lot and ended up with some physical abuse few times I got the shit kicked out of me pretty good um and I ended up leaving my dad's place about I was 15 um he called the cops and said that if they didn't take me away that he was gonna kill me or thought he might he doesn't remember this but I think he was like blacked out from rage um and then I just remember just uh, a slow I went back to live with my mom and I didn't have any real guidance you know she she was doing her best but she was still with the same guy and it was just um kind of just led into this point in my adolescence where I was really acting on my trauma and really finding myself in situations that just fed my trauma and created more trauma um kind of this snake eating itself and I ended up moving out of my mom's house when I was 16. I got an apartment in downtown Portland. I lived there with this guy that I had met in Pioneer Square. He was like a poet. And I started working. I went to, well, I guess before I moved out, I went to London with my friend, Mary Jane. We left the country with like 100 bucks in our pocket at this time in our lives. We were both, her, her dad was a heroin addict and he used to sh sh show us you know well we rocked up some crack he showed us how to rock up crack we smoked crack with him and 
her mom was also in a pretty bad way. And so her and I were just kind of both lost souls together. And I we were living out of her car, on the hustle, stealing to eat kind of a thing. And we got jobs, telemarketing, and um, ended up going to London, leaving the country. We had $100 between the two of us. We ended up being there for, we were there for a month. We got jobs working in a hostel. <clears throat> this is when I was 16. My mom dropped me off at the airport with $100 in my pocket and an army surplus duffel bag. <laughs> That's a little bit of an indication of kind of my mom's level of parenting skills. But um, so, yeah, after he got back from London, it was kind of like, you know, felt like queen of the world, man. I've been hustling down at the tube station, smoking spliffs, smoking cigarettes at the grocery store, going to the pubs. I was like 16 years old. I came back to the States. It was like before Red Bull was even like in the States. And I was like, this sucks, man. And that's when I moved out of my mom's house. I started working video production. I got, so yeah, I um, started paying rent, had a studio downtown Portland, um, started, dropped out of high school, like before this got and then like shortly after I moved out I got my GED and then I was like hanging out with a different dude we'd like bought a motorhome drove around the country when I was like 18 yeah we drove drove around the country from July to or from March like July and then we were in Nashville like in July and wasn't treating me super well so I took a Greyhound from Nashville to Seattle with my last hundred and fifty dollars and uh, my mom picked me up there, took me down to Central Oregon, and um, that's where my grandpa was at. I didn't really have any other place to go. I didn't want to be with my parents, and I always felt pretty close to my grandpa. So I moved in there, got a job waiting tables. I got two jobs waiting tables. I was working like double shifts between the two places, saved up a bunch of money, bought a car, bought a trailer, moved out, and then... I was like 20 years old working. I'd quit one of my jobs and now I was just working at Odell Lake Resort and I was like 19 and it was year two, was it 2000, 2002, the biscuit fire? But I just remember the cook that I worked with um, at the time saying like, oh, those, those firefighters are buying like brand new trucks, you know, and that was like the first time I really heard about fighting fire and I was like, fuck, that sounds cool. Like, and so it was, um, the next year, so get, that must've been 2002. Cause in 2003 is when I, um, went and applied for with Walker Range State Association out of Crescent, Oregon. And I got a job with them and yeah, I started prescribed burning. And then when I started burning, I was like, man, this is like therapy. Like, <laughs> felt really good to burn things so um yeah and honestly I didn't really start looking really deep at my trauma and kind of why I do the things that I do until probably around 2010 or 2011 um yeah and um that was just you know I started fighting fire walker range I got an apprentice job and the next year I went up to Tenasket on the Okanagan Wenatchee and I was in Academy 28 and did that whole apprentice thing. I filled in on Enyat in 2004 and then I detailed with them in 2005 and then did the rest of my helicopter and engine dispatch all that and then 2009 I 
got a senior job on Waini Maha Chats and I was there and yeah it was like 2010 I was um 2000 like my second third year on the crew I was I was drinking a lot man and like starting to black out just like after a glass of wine and was I did some things like with the crew like crew parties where I like blacked out and was just like really embarrassing and um and and then that's when I was like you know there's there's like a reason why I have to like find oblivion you know and there's a reason why like like there's this dark hole inside me I'm trying to fill with whiskey and weed and cocaine and and it's not filling and I started you know working with psilocybin and mushrooms when I was like 18 years old I started picking them on the Oregon coast and they'd definitely given me like glimpses of reprieve but then kind of later I started um doing some microdosing and then um I think that's what kind of led me to being like okay I need to find kind of the root of this and then I actually went like the Alcoholics Anonymous route and was clean and sober for about four years went to meetings and started did the 12 steps I think four times I started I called um EAP was when I was on the hotshot crew and right at the same time I realized I needed to get to the root of this and I got in touch with the therapist there in Klamath Falls that um, specialized in trauma therapy and EMDR and I started working with him in conjunction with going to meetings and um yeah and I saw him for seven years and um I was you know doing the the fire thing during the summer and then during the winter just really working hard on my negative inventory with the EMDR and um so and then I guess the story is kind of rambling around but I Ended up leaving the hotshot crew and got um went to that got an engine captain job and did that for a few years and I had some pretty traumatic a pretty traumatic experience at work at the Wildland Fire Academy that stirred up a lot of stuff for me and then um you know my I think it was like 2017 my I decided that. I was an engine captain and I was like pretty over being a supervisor because I felt like as a supervisor for the Forest Service, it's like impossible to fucking take care of your people. They make it really, really difficult. And I was feeling like, um, you know, I just really needed to do something different. So I decided that I wanted to try and rookie. It had been my, since I was like, I remember mopping up a stump hole on a prescribed burn in 2003 when I worked for Walker Range and these two crusty old dudes were watching me from a ways away and I was dry mopping this stump hole just getting after it and afterwards they came up and they're like this old crusty dude was like hey if you ever want to be a smoke jumper tell him Ray Rubio sent you and I was like shit smoke jumper what's that you know and and so I was you know that's I always wanted to do that and that that year 2004 when I got the apprentice job I I also was like trying to jump but I got the apprentice job I took that so it was a permanent job and 
And so when 2017, the end of that fire season, I was just like, you know, I need to do something different. And my buddy Ian killed himself um, that August. And he jumped out of Boise and he'd always been telling me that I should jump. And so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to, you know, go for it. And I just decided that year I told my supervisors they gave me a downgrade so I could take the winter off. Um, and I just started, went down to New Orleans. Um, my girlfriend at the time, she jumped out of Boise. And so she had a really solid training program. And I went down there and I found my therapist I'd been working with, EMDR, retired. So I found a new somatic therapist in New Orleans to work with and a really badass massage therapist. And um, so with those two, they were kind of my support team. And then I was doing, you know, working out like six hours a day, probably total between all the workouts. And um, and then, yeah, I um, went through Rookie and made it through Rookie and got to jump some fires and um yeah I ended up finishing up that detail and coming back to the home unit and they're they're boning me pretty hard so um fast forward April 2019 I resigned I moved down here and um I started, I just took a break, man. Took a break from fire. I've been doing it for 16 years. I jumped the year before. My body was pretty, pretty beat up. My mind was, my heart, my soul, everything's just like fucking beat up from life. And I took a summer off and it was really hard. It was really weird to not be out fighting fire. It was like, I didn't know what to do with myself. Um, I was in a different country. I quit the forest service. There was just a lot. And, um, that was, that was pretty challenging, but, um, made it, ended up actually getting pregnant and pretty quickly and had a baby in July of 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic at home with a midwife. And she has definitely opened up like a whole new, you know, layer of the onion that needs to be peeled back for me in my healing journey. And since she's been born about like, I think when she was like eight months or it was March, I was working with, I found a, uh, before I got pregnant, I had this mystery, mystery. I've had a lot of mystery illnesses, <laughs> many and including two tumors and, uh, lots of, I have chronic pain now and I have, uh, I had this like crazy autoimmune um, uh, dyshydrotic eczema that basically my hands and my feet, like all the dead skin, all my calluses from like 16 years of fighting fire, like all my skin like got covered in blisters and like ruptured. And they were like, they, my hands and feet were like cracked and oozing and like fucked up for like months. And it was like, I was seeing doctors and they were all telling me it was stress. And so I started seeing this acupuncturist and I was actually pregnant at the time. And so he couldn't really do much work with me, but what he did, it helped and it helped stop the outbreak. And then later after I gave birth, I started seeing him again and he's, um, you know, uh, 
from here, his um, it's in his lineage, like to be a healer. And he, he not only does chiropractic, but he does like acupuncture, he does Reiki and he does massage therapy. So it's kind of like one-stop shopping, like whatever you need. And he was working on me and there's this area in my lower back where it's like, as soon as he touched it, and this is where I had a, I had a tumor growing around my sciatic nerve. Um, I don't know, like 2017, I think, because I had back surgery only, only 10 months or 13 months before I went through rookie. But I have this um, part of my body that he would touch and I would just start crying like uncontrollably. And, And he, I told him a little bit about my story and he said, well, you know, I carry this medicine from my grandfather and we're going to be having a ceremony in like a month and maybe it could really help you. And so, and this is this medicine that he was talking about here, we call it sapo or sapito and it's um, from the Bufo alvarius toad in the northern Sonoran desert. And it's a... The venom of this toad contains 5-DMT. So he invited me to this ceremony and I went, um, I felt very honored and I, I planned for it. I set my intention and I, I um, ended up going and I had, um, I had this kind of expectation that I was going to be like seeing all these, have visions or like go flying or like, but really it was like, I really just, I think, came to know myself and my power, like on a very deep level. And, and I, I sang songs that I've been given in the Temescal and like, um, I felt like the power of my voice, the power of my drum. And, and I remember looking around at the jungle and the mountains and thinking like, oh, I thought I was going to learn how to fly. And then it was like a bird was like, dude, you already know how to fly, you know? And I just had this really strong feeling, this knowing feeling of, you know, I'm like 10,000 years old and I'm on this journey and, you know, like, it's okay to be like tired, you know, or it's okay to like, to like need to rest, but because I have a long ways to go. (laughs) So, but it just like that ceremony really helped rearrange some shit in my head, like, that stuck with me. It it gave me, that medicine gave me some songs. The medicine gave me perspective, new perspective. The medicine gave me like a really, really deep feeling of connection to the universe and a really deep feeling of, it's not even a feeling, a deep knowing that, that I am the same as the cosmos. I'm made of the exact same particles as everything else that exists in this world. And I don't have to be alone in my suffering anymore. I don't have to be separate because I'm everything. And, and now my suffering, I can, I can transform it with love, you know, and I don't have to be afraid. I can explore. And that, that medicine and that ceremony and that set of realizations and perception altering that cascaded from that um, opened the doors for me, I think, in my life to, to start to receive other medicines, to start to be connected to other people, to other healers. And in June, my sister down here, she's like a soul sister. She's a sun dancer. Um, 
we were building a sweat lodge and she I've been sitting in the lodge since I was was 19 and I sat in the lodge quite a bit back when I was on the crew with um my brother Wally he was on he's like a living legend he's on he's a lead saw Wanyama for 19 years and um he's in indigenous Klamath and Modoc and he sh- really showed me in those years of that period of my sobriety I I went and sat with him in the lodge every Sunday and I came down here and I found the lodge. I found the community again. And in June, we went to go build a new lodge. And a brother came down to help my friend Rocio. His name's Danny. That um, They went to a spiritual school together. And we had a big group of people that came down to help support with the building of this Inipi. And um, Danny carries ayahuasca. So after we built the Inipi, we had an ayahuasca ceremony, um, but to prepare for the ayahuasca ceremony first, um, we work with combo to prepare the body, and then yopo should prepare the mind. And we we worked with the combo like a week before the ayahuasca, and I could go into more detail on these on these things. I think a little bit later, but the the point is is that I did I sat with the ayahuasca and abuelita um she showed me you know one of the main things that she showed me is like the hardest part is over you know like like people nobody can hurt me like like I was hurt then and and now it's just my job like I don't have to work 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 so hard I always have this idea of like I gotta work on this I gotta work on that I gotta you know but now what she showed me is like it's it's my job now to like be to just be whatever whatever sensations whatever emotion whatever just be and then use that as a bridge to explore use that as a bridge to observe and through that exploration and observation whatever I am will inevitably change like if it's if it's in need of change does that make sense yeah absolutely and I just want to say thank you so much and like I appreciate your story like there's there's so much in there to unpack right we could we could ask questions and go deeper but I just want to say like seriously thank you so much for being like so open and sharing and I just appreciate everything that you said because it's like it's I think we have a very different path, but a very similar vein, if that makes sense at all. And, and um, like the microdosing and the AA and the, the EMDR and like really pulling all of these practitioners together to lead you to the medicine, because like this is just my point of view for like myself is I think there is sometimes there's a lot of steps that we have to take before we can actually get to like the big medicine. Does that yeah. make sense? I want to guide you through natural wellness and holistic medicine, which means using products like essential oils, essential vibes, glutathione, mouthwashes, or even reading books. There's so many products out there that can help us, supplements, essential oils. There's so many things about the doTERRA lines of essential oils that I use every day, like lemon to detox my body and help me hydrate, like on guard to give me that extra edge my immune system with the pandemic going uh, balance to keep me grounded and moving forward in my life 
I use the oils every single day, morning, afternoon, night. One of the biggest things they help me with is sleep. I sleep so well because I'm, you know, I'll lay on the lavender, I'll lay on the balance. I'll feel so grounded and sleepy and it's lights out. And I know the wildland fire community just struggles so much with sleep, really the lack of it, right? On top of that, there's books. There's, I've written three major books for the wildland fire community and, and I want you to try them out, give them a read, get the ebook, get the paperback, whatever suits you. But there's Overcome Anxiety Like a Hero, really teaches you how to get into a flow state. Awakened by Heart Fire is really the spiritual aspects of wildland fire. And the Heart Fire Anthology, the guided meditations, the Heart Fire Method will completely change your life. And of course, Six Minutes for Excellence. That is a guidebook for wildland firefighter excellence, peak performance, mindset, all those things. So go to mountainmindtricks.com, check out the store. Check out essential oils, essential vibes. Uh, go to the publishing tab, check out the books. Natural wellness is all about taking one step today that makes us 1% better. 1% better today, 1% better tomorrow, and 1% better the next day and the next day. One little habit adds up to moving an entire mountain with our health. And that's what I want to guide you through. The essential oils, essential vibes, books, supplements, whatever you need, I'm here for you. So just go ahead and go to mountainmindtricks.com and click on the shop and go to essential oils, essential vibes, or go to the publishing tab and, and check out the books we've got. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, like what I'm dealing with now, what I'm unpacking now, I couldn't have unpacked earlier. I couldn't have done it earlier. It would have broke me. But now I have, I'm, I'm doing it because I'm ready to do it. And now I'm at a very um, different place than I've ever been because I'm a mother. And, and I'm starting to, to remember things that, that I've always kind of known were there, but I was very terrified to, to allow myself to remember. But now I don't really have a choice. Um, the last time I worked with medicine with the Sapo was a couple of weeks ago here. And after that ceremony, I only had one pipe. Normally you have four. And I worked with this, I'm working with this shaman here who's like the abuelo of Puerto Vallarta. And he's been giving medicine for more than 30 years. And before I started working with him and before this specific experience with the with the sapo, I was like, you know, I felt like really good about like, I don't know, I think that we often in our healing journeys, which for me has turned into a spiritual journey, um, we often think like, oh, like I'm I'm experiencing some reprieve. Like maybe my my mind is more quiet or like um, my practice, you know, what was once very hard in my practice as far as like observing my mind and and redirecting my thoughts is becoming easier. And, and we get into this kind of place where we maybe a little bit complacent or maybe we think like a little bit too like we're good or like we're we've done what we need to do. Does that make sense? But I'm at this place now where I'm seeing with my daughter and then we're adopting a, a boy who's 11 and he has a very, he has a lot of trauma. Um, and this is, this is stirring up a lot of things for me that 
you know, I didn't really get to with the EMDR. And this is like, for me, it's, um, I'm getting to, to really like show my sincerity to the universe and to my brothers and sisters that I want to serve in like bravely continuing on this path of exploring these experiences that are locked in my body um, and these things that people have left behind in my body when I couldn't protect myself. And I share this with you now because for me, it's the most important part of my journey, I think, is to demonstrate demonstrate what it looks like to bravely, bravely go in to those things that you've, like, your body, like, your ne- body never forgets your experiences, unfortunately. And so my journey now is, like, going into my body and finding these experiences, finding the, where... I'm still holding the fight in me when I was being held down and raped and I couldn't fight back. I'm going into my body to release these things so that I don't pass them on to my daughter. The the anger that my father and my grandfather, the pain that they had that that they would hurt their own children, that they would beat their own children. I'm like taking that on and making a commitment that I'm never going to treat my daughter the way that I was treated, you know, and I had an opportunity now to keep her safe and, and in keeping her safe, I get to keep myself safe. I get to give myself the things that I never, never got from my parents, you know? Um, so I think the most important thing to know is that there's no magic pill. There's no like, oh, I'm going to do this and everything's going to be fine. Or, you know, it's like, it's all practice. It's all a journey. It's all like ups and downs, you know, and it's, you know, sometimes trauma is a lot like, you know, Pete breaking down in a bog. It takes time and it like bubbles up to the surface and catches you off guard But that's like when it gives a really good indicator like, oh, here are some things that need my attention. And for me now, it's not about like changing my suffering, but like giving my suffering attention, giving my suffering love, like trying to extend that to myself and like and not be afraid to to like go where that leads me that makes sense yeah absolutely and like thank you thank you so much for like really going deep there and and i think some of the things that you hit on that is so powerful is i think there's this you know we all know the duty respect integrity right but i think in this new state of the world like since the pandemic so many things have changed but the biggest one i think is that it's it's like our duty right now to heal ourselves because it's not just ourselves it's like like you're talking about, there's the generations that we're healing. Like, and one of my mentors once told me, is like, when you heal yourself, you're healing seven generations in the past and seven generations in the future. And I think this is like so, so powerful in, in what you're talking about with, 
like really following the resistance is what, I, what what I'm hearing. I know you didn't use that word, but it's like you're following the trauma, like following the suffering to like learn how to surrender to it and give it love and to to like accept and then release it. And I think this is this is something I've learned in my own plant medicine journeys is like this is so important for me because I think for so long I would resist and resist and fight it and fight it and like try and fix myself. And it's like, no, stop resisting and accept surrender and love. And I think this is like one of the most powerful lessons that I've received so far. Yes. Yeah. And that's really a lesson I I received after this last um, ceremony with the Bufos. Um, this beautiful woman, Jimena, shared with me that, you know, some wisdom and abuela shared with her is that we don't have to heal through suffering anymore like we can heal through love, you know. And and so it's like, I guess for me too, like in these last few days, I've been really kind of unpacking a lot of this stuff since, um, yeah, it's coming up. and And I'm really trying to just approach it with like, okay, yeah, like. I'm going to allow myself to, to grieve a little bit because I didn't get to grieve then I was surviving and, and that, and I can like greet myself with love and just say, accept, you know, like it's okay to feel whatever it is that you're feeling, you know, it's like, it's never, and it's part of, you know, what that experience that's locked in your body, like, those ex- those emotions have they they have to go somewhere you know and and for us to really be able to let go of them we have to i i believe like experience and express them again that's so beautiful it's so amazing and and uh you know i i think is it okay if we kind of transition on how we parallel in some of our experiences throughout life yeah absolutely dude i've totally been on a rambling um, tangent. So that'd be whatever you like. Uh, so, so, you know, for, for me going back, I think the first thing that happened in my life that was really giant that changed everything was like, my parents went through this really nasty divorce. And I mean, there is like, there is some threat of violence. There was cops involved. Like my dad actually went to jail for a while. And it was like, I just remember like the biggest thing was like, you know, we lived in a duplex at the time and I was just like sitting on the stairs with the cops in the house interrogating my mom to like make sure everything's okay. And they're just like playing these messages. Like my dad was just like just leaving messages like on the phone, like I'm going to come kill everybody, you know, kind of thing. I just remember sitting there on the, on the steps, you know, I was kind of hidden. They didn't know I was there just listening to these messages over and over again. And that replayed in my head for years, for lots of years. And I, and I was so angry. Like you said, like it, the anger after that was so profound for me. I mean, thank God I had skateboarding back then because, you know, I would just break myself and break my skateboard and just like throw myself against the concrete basically. And skateboarding like kind of saved me from really going really to a bad place, which I still did. I mean, I, I just like, you know, paralleling your experience of just like, I think seventh grade, I don't know what age that is. Like I started smoking weed and drinking and smoking cigarettes and hanging out with the wrong people. And just like soon enough by sophomore year, you know, it's like 
hardcore drugs and stuff. And, and I actually had a, I OD'd in my sophomore year in high school at a party. And that's, that's when the gates really opened. And, and it wasn't this kind of crazy, like white light kind of experience, but it was, I just remember leaving the party because I was like, oh, I think I'm going to be sick. And I ran outside and it was like winter in the Northwest. So it was like just sheets of rain, just wind, you know, and I'm just like stumbling through the woods with, with just a t-shirt on basically. And I just like passed out and, and I don't really know. I guess I never really thought it was a, a near death experience until I started reading some of the research. And basically I just went to this blackness into this void of like nothing. And it was like, the first time I ever rested for like my entire life. And it was like, so there was nothing. It was just the most peaceful rest. And when I came back, I was a different person. Like I, all of a sudden, you know, I had never read a book for class. I mean, that was crazy to me, but I started reading like two or three books a week on Buddhism and philosophy and quantum physics. And I just started diving deep into reading and meditation and kung fu and it was just like i was a completely different person like all my friends were like dude where'd thomas go he's like gone full-on monk and that's exactly what happened I, I i became a monk at like my junior and senior year of high school and um and i remember my big thing i wanted to do was like i wanted to be an acupuncturist that was like that was my goal and i got too scared of like the like I had a lot of baggage around like, oh, I don't have enough money for that. I'm not good enough for that. You know, like I, all that kind of stuff that comes up. And so um, my dad was a wildland firefighter, right? My grandpa was a lookout on Mount Hood um, during the war, during the uh, World War II. And so it was like this family event, this wildland fire. So I kind of grew up with these stories. And so I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that. I'm going to do wildland fire for a couple of years and just see what it's like. And and like you said, like that first time you put fire on the ground, I mean, you, oh my God, it was so amazing. And just like, you know, the most, like when I look back at my whole career, you know, cause I spent 14 years with the forest service and we can talk more about that, but I think just beating the shit out of a stump with an ax and like just killing, killing every tree around you and burning this whole fucking hillside and just like kill, 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 destroy everything. Like that, that was therapeutic for a while. And I think it really helped me like release a lot of energy. But what I, what I felt, what I noticed was like, dude, this is endless. Like I could kill everything and I would still be angry. So what am I doing here? And, and, um, you know, I think to fast forward a bit, like, you know, I went through just, I, I had a pretty good career where I didn't like go through a lot of crazy accidents or like really intense trauma but it's all that like little trauma of being away from your family of being like this and that and just all the little stuff until um yeah 2015 my engine captain passed away suddenly from from a heart attack and you know he, he was like one of my best friends in the whole world like the night before we were like hanging out his house having beers and like having dinner and just like normal everything's normal and the next morning he was gone and it was so so traumatic for me. Like when I heard that he passed away, I mean, I collapsed to the ground and, um, it, that was a big turning point for me because suddenly 
like you were talking about, all these crazy mystery illnesses started popping up, like leaky gut and chronic pain. And um, just my whole body was just starting to fall apart at that point. Like I didn't know I was grieving. I had no idea what was happening. It was just like, I, I just, I was lost. I was so lost. This was like the, the, yeah, it was big for me that, that him passing away was so big. And, and, uh, you know, that I remember in the depths of this, I decided, you know what? I remember meditation really helped me. I'm going to, I'm going to try that again. And so I started really diving deep into meditation and yoga and journaling. And like, like, I know I can, you know, I would just sit there and watch Gaia for like hours and hours, you know, Gaia TV and watch Dr. Joe Dispenza and Greg Braid and all these people like explain, like you, you can heal yourself. Like here are the tools. And so I really like started diving really deep into that stuff. Like, and for me, my big affliction is like hypochondriac stuff. Like, you know, and I would say I'm like 99% better now, but sometimes it still comes up. Like if somebody's just talking about like an illness, like it's like, Oh, like I want to put that inside my body, but it's not mine. It's like so interesting where it's like, that's, that has nothing to do with me, but I still take it on. And so that was my big thing is like, I thought I was dying. Like that was like any sensation in my body was like this full, like full anxiety attack of like, Oh, I'm dying. That's it. I'm dead. You know? And so, um, through meditation, I found a Chinese technique of moving energy and this is when I I kind of, I guess I was in such a deep meditation. It was like two or three hours of meditation. I was like so just immensely deep. And I just remember like asking the universe, like, will you please open my third eye? And that was the moment, like, like instantly, I was completely out of my body, like above the earth. And this visionary experience was a full-on natural DMT experience. It's a Kundalini experience. And it was very traumatic. It was like, it felt like my body was getting microwaved. Like the molecules were so high intensity that it was like, like the vibration just kept getting louder and louder and louder until my body completely ripped apart and I was dead. Like, that's what it felt like. I really thought I was dead. And, um, I just remember like seeing the earth as one biosphere, like an astronaut. And it was just like, Oh my God, this is the most beautiful thing. And, and, you know, I went through the universe, like I traveled through the stars and black holes and, and to really, you know, kind of shortcut here is, is basically I followed like these light trails through the stars from like one solar system to the next star from the center of our galaxy to other galaxies. And I just kept like zooming out basically to like the very edge of the universe. And there was this moment where I saw that this light like trickling from one side to the other side. And, and this, this light, like this voice came over me, like this God voice, it wasn't my voice. And it just said like, this is the universe. Like it is pure consciousness. And that was like, that was it. Like, I, I know, I know. And this is like, right, there's no plant medicine involved. This is a total out-of-body experience. And um, at that point, I was just slammed back into my body. Um, and that experience, I think, was so um, earth-shattering. And it was so, like, 
my consciousness had upgraded so much that my nervous system couldn't handle it. Like I got fried. I got super fried and it took, I had to go to acupuncture for about a year before, like I really got back in my body, got grounded again. And I would say there was probably like, after that, there was probably like six months of mild psychosis going on, like really seeing sacred geometry, like, oh, I can see people's energy now. Like, oh my God, like all these gifts started coming to me. And the biggest thing was like, you have to help people. Like you're, you're a healer and you've been hiding from it. You spent 14 years hiding from it. Like you're a healer. And, 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 um, and like you, like I had a, I had a, a conglomerate of healers, I guess I'd call it. And really just turned me on to the NLP world, to hypnosis and mental emotional release. And that's when like, I started breaking through trauma, like, oh, I can do 30 years of therapy in like eight hours and I can like do this on myself as well. And I just keep going and just keep releasing more and more and more. And it's just like, now it's like, Oh my God, there's just so much. And and I think what's so interesting in the last six months is that there's been so many synchronicities of like plant medicine showing up in my life that it's like, that's the next step of like, of, to take my healing, to take my practice, to take um, everything that I'm doing with with the company farther and deeper and to like expand even more. It's like there's something in plant medicine for me. And and I'm just so excited for that journey. And I think that's like really where we intersect like huge is like this 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 plant medicine. Because I think it's not just the shaman. It's not just a trip it's these universal spirits of love that come into the ceremony that are that are working on all four of your bodies so the last couple of years i had to quit coffee because coffee was like this liquid shot of anxiety for me like my heart would race i could focus intently but only for a couple hours and i would crash super hard and my sleep was so off. I mean, I would be wandering the universe until, I don't know, three in the morning before I finally got to sleep. And then I had to get back out at a six or seven in the morning. And I was groggy, I was tired. It just wasn't working for me. It's not that I was mad at coffee, I was just really disappointed. And so I ended up quitting coffee. And I've been searching for an alternative for a long time. And that's when I came across mud water. Mudwater is this amazing, amazing tea. It's got masala chai in it. It's got cacao, lion's mane, cordyceps, chaga, reishi, cinnamon, turmeric, and Himalayan sea salt. And what's so amazing is that you feel the same energy, that same burst that you get from coffee, but it sustains all day. There's no crash. There's no headache, there's no dehydration. It's just this beautiful experience. And so yeah, I'm gonna say it, fuck your coffee. You gotta switch over to mud water because mud water will change your life. There's immune boosting properties, helps you focus with the lion's mane. There's one seventh of the caffeine compared to coffee. And so there's no jitters, there's no anxiety. It's just this beautiful experience with beautiful plants. So fuck your coffee. So if you want to try out Mudwater, I want you to go to mountainmindtricks.com slash mudwater or go to the shop and click on the button 
Again, that's mountainmindtricks.com slash mudwater. So one of my favorite things about the Mudwater Company is that they donate a percentage of their profits to the MAPS Institute. It's an organization that develops medical, legal, and cultural context for people to benefit from the careful uses of psychedelics. So the you know, MDMA psychedelic assisted therapy phase three trials, this is MAPS. And that's so important because there's been some amazing breakthroughs in the research with veterans and PTSD and depression and all sorts of amazing things that they're doing. It's so important to support this company. Yeah, and it's your ancestors and the ancestors of the practitioner, the ancestors of the land. It's quantum physics is explaining, you know, right now what people have known mystically forever. And quantum physics is telling us now through through experiments, through science, through demonstration that on one part of the universe you influence a particle and on the other side of the universe there's another particle receiving that same influence. And there's many, 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 there are many, many, many layers to reality. And um, I think for me personally, you know, what the medicine is been showing me is my medicine you know um and I think that's like that's if we could all find our medicine if we could all find our power our you know intrinsic place here in the universe and and be able to feel that um you know regularly like imagine how beautiful the world would be um and so I think that's like what's happening now is there's a renaissance these these molecules are the same as the molecules that we have in our brains naturally like psilocybin you know there's like a couple atoms difference between psilocybin molecule and a serotonin molecule we generate you know 5-DMT like you're saying like naturally in our own brains um and so these there are I think that there are in a lot of ways like um, yeah, like the universe is consciousness and way, when we expand our consciousness and join in kind of on that, that like frequency, then it's like, we're not only healing ourselves, we are healing seven generations back and seven generations forward. That's what, that's what's taught here. You know, that's what, when we're in the sweat lodge, when we're praying and singing together, that's, that's what we're doing. And that's, um, the intention. So, that's a very, very powerful thing. And the ripple effect for the wildland fire community, could you imagine like a conscious fire culture, a culture that like takes care of each other and and a culture that's like willing to to explore like their pain and suffering. And for a lot of us, I mean, I think our pain and suffering has brought us to fire. You know, a lot of us, are, I think, have undiagnosed you know, developmental PTSD, we're attracted to fighting fire because we are attracted to chaos. We're addicted to stress hormones, you know? So. Yeah, so true. So true. I think we're all like that. I think for me, fire became a distraction of like what I really need to work on. And I think there's part of that, but I think there's also like being, it's so interesting because you can be in the craziest fire situation, but you feel safe you feel safe. And it's like, as soon as you go home or where things are slow, it's like 
that's where it's like, I'm not safe here. Like this is so uncomfortable. And it's like so interesting how we need that chaos to like, to like, that's our, that's our normal sometimes. And, and like you're saying, there's, there's so much mental health issues that's going on in the community. There's so much. And I guess what you're getting at, and, and this is just the way I think about it is, is I think there's kind of this Newtonian model of the world that an apple falls from a tree and, you know, there's a cause and effect and that's just the way it is or you can't change it. And it's like, with the quantum model, no, you actually like Are there's the so the many. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, what if what if the apple actually came off the ground and like a reattached the tree? Like there's so many other options and possibilities. And it's like we actually get to choose. Like we are actually co-creating our reality. And that is such a big perspective change that I think like you're like you're saying this revolution in like quantum medicine and quantum computing and in like quantum why not quantum firefighting where we're like what's so interesting to me is I've had this vision multiple times where I'm pretty sure there is a way to fight fire with sound I don't understand that yet but there's like there's different ways to work with the fire element and I think if we go back to that being like we're a fire carrier, like the traditional, like indigenous way of like, our job is to harmonize fire between humans and mother earth. Like that's our job. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Like we are like elemental workers, you know? Um, and there's so much power in that, that I've taken from my fire career and my feeling of kinship and closeness with fire that, um, takes me forward into ceremony and takes me forward in my personal life that, um, yeah, I think that's something that maybe we forget is like, we really are, um, working with like out the, one of the major elements, you know, like not one, but like air, you know, we're like experts at, you know, reading, like, how natural forces operate in the world and so it's like to take that power of observation to the deeper level to take it into our internal environments you know to observe what the fire in inside of us is is consuming where is it burning you know like what are the things influencing it and like taking our powers of observation that we hone so well in the field and really applying them inside, that's where our, you know, we take the next step. That's where we take the next step in being able to lead our people consciously, being able to make sound decisions, being able to understand our people. Because when we become leaders, it's not about ourselves anymore. It's about them. It becomes our responsibility to understand our people it's not our people's responsibility to understand us. It's our responsibility to try and to be open and vulnerable and create that bridge of understanding. But really, ultimately, as leaders, it falls on us. And we can't be afraid to go inside to examine what is it that's really behind my decisions? What is it that's behind, like, my insecurities? Like, you know, where is it that I can really really like shine a light so that i can achieve my potential so that i can guide my people to theirs you know oh it's so powerful so true and i think like i guess some of the 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 way i've explained this before and i think um more people resonate with this than you know quote unquote the woo woo right and i think anybody listening to this podcast is obviously like 
you're into the woo woo and you're here for the weird. But the biggest thing to me is like, like you're saying as a leader, like we've got to do the work inside because it really does affect our decision-making process, our risk management process. And I think ultimately the frame that I love is peak performance. Like how do we get back to peak performance? How do we achieve peak performance? And like, I think anybody that's been in fire will know the second your mind starts to kind of do some looping around like, Oh, I'm not fast enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not this. I'm not that your PT, your hikes, your decision-making, everything starts to fall apart where it's like, you got to get that. You got to get the mental and emotional piece on point to be an amazing leader. Like that is, that's the secret. Like we got to be Pono is what we call in Hawaii is like, we have to be right with ourselves and right with others and right with our planet. And when we have that good ecology inside ourselves, like then, then we can be a leader. And I think nobody, nobody's ever taught us that in Wildland Fire. Nobody ever even like talks about like, you got to lead yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And you have to lead yourself deeper in, for me, I'm leading myself towards the death of my ego. And that's a long fucking ways, man. <laughs> so it's like, right, it's not right. for the faint of heart, you know. It's not for the faint of heart. Um, but it's what we have to do if we want to not only like, you know, demonstrate to our people at work that we're leading into these extremely hazardous situations, not only making good sound decisions on their behalf but you know in our interactions in the rest of our lives with our families you know and with not 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 enacting and not um you know feeding the same patterns that that have brought us to where we are you know we do have a choice to like to like go a different way and it's just like making the choice to like sign up for a hotshot crew or sign up to fight fire, like anything. It's like, you're making a choice to do something hard. So <laughs> yeah, fucking just, just like yeah. put on your, your big girl panties and just like stand by your choice, you know, yeah, and you got to uh, do it for your people as the bottom. I love, that. I love that. So, so can we, like, I want to like, let's talk about the project a little bit. You know, we're kind of hitting our time here and, and I just want to make sure like we capture like one, what are we collaborating on? And also like the vision that you have for this amazing foundation that you're starting. Like this is, I think one of the most important things that's happening in wildland fire right now is like the project we're working on. Right. Well, I'm, I think there are a lot of really important things happening for sure. Like the stuff, the grassroots, folks are doing is really like really 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 important and really amazing but we all know that um the government um isn't necessarily the fastest moving um you know entity around and right now people need help now people need support now and so when i resigned from the forest service um shortly after kind of had this vision for the Wildland Wellness Foundation, um, which is a foundation that solely focuses on firefighter mental health. And we eventually, you know, my goal for the foundation is to provide free mental health for people that experience, um, have traumatic experiences at work um, and for, for those people's families, for the people that respond to these incidents. Um, 
have the foundation be able to provide emotional first aid um, for these individuals like right away and then extended care. Um, my vision of, you know, long term is when we have these traumatic incidents that we can contact the families, we can contact the crews, the people's in, people involved, let them know, you know, hey, we've got a place for you to come. You just need to get a passport and we'll take care of your airfare and everything and basically kind of have um, a, a center, a healing center, like a place. I see it as kind of a hostel, uh, um, but maybe I would just like clear out when we have these types of um, incidents. But I, I, a place that would be big enough for a whole hotshot crew um, to come and people can kind of take a look at a menu of services, a menu of options. And, you know, if they don't, if body work, you know, guided meditation, different model, modicums of trauma therapy, ceremony, or if you just want to go surfing, like, or wander around the city, like, we just want to, I just want to have a place for people to come and get the care that they need so that when we have these traumatic incidents and people respond, um, that the, the trauma that they experience doesn't develop into a disorder that causes them long-term um, problems. So that's the main big picture, like, and like goal. Um, one of them, the other is to have a network of mental health care providers that provide um, services at discounted rates for wildland firefighters um, that maybe not necessarily have ha been exposed to a super traumatic event but want to maintain their mental health or have some trauma that they want to start exploring. Um, we want to create a community, like a peer support network of people that are in the community of wildland fire and committed to, um, to this journey of healing um, and to kind of break the stigma of, you know, what all of that entails. The other part and what we're doing right now, because it's kind of like what I have, um, you know, I'm kind of um, just doing, working with what I have. <laughs> and what we have now is a beautiful network of healers and practitioners that I've sat with in ceremony um, multiple times and some beautiful people here that I've told about the wildland fire community and after I've sat in ceremony I really felt like it was something that would be so valuable to wildland firefighters that were on this path to be able to sit together so <clears throat> we're organizing some retreats well one retreat now is on the books um, for January 24th to the 20th to the 24th and this is going to be a retreat that is um, very integrative we'll be working with a three different medicines, and we'll have multiple practitioners um, participating in the ceremony as support, and then in between ceremony to help with integration and processing. And um, the goal of these retreats is to, I'm doing everything at cost, like just basically passing on the discount of being in Mexico onto the wildland firefighters and um, any extra profit that we get from lodging um, is going to go back into the foundation and hopefully pay for scholarships for people to attend future retreats. Um, 
And then my goal is to, like, I'm sitting with Mishiko, who is a shaman here. Um, there's, like, a mural of him in downtown Puerto Vallarta. He's, like, the abuelo here. He doesn't speak English, but I'm I'm working with sitting with him to and some other practitioners to and building a team, kind of a rotating cadre of practitioners and supporters so that we can, you know, provide retreats with different medicines, maybe retreats without any medicine, but just with working with, you know, learning mindfulness tools, um, but starting to build kind of a, a network and a cadre and like a, a group and a community of people that are like, that want to like help change the fire culture and to help um, people go deeper into their own personal path and journey of healing and and hopefully through this project we can lower the suicide rate in our community wow that's such an amazing vision melissa it's like such an honor just to to be a part of it and just to collaborate with you on the project and i just like from the bottom of my heart like thank you thank you so much for your vision for what you're doing and and uh i i think it's just it's so important. Like, like you said, like the, the bureaucracy cogs, the wheel, the churning is just so slow and we got to do something now. We got to do something right now. And cause there's a lot of wildland firefighters suffering in silence. And, um, it's, it's, it's my mission as well is to just help as many wildland firefighters as possible with, with, uh, their health, their mental health, whatever it is. And, and I love this idea of bringing in like as many practitioners, as many medicine as possible. And like having a menu of like, you know, our tiered system of like, you know, level one or two or three. And it's like, whatever is just so beautiful. Like, I love this vision and thank you. Uh, I mean, thanks be to God, honestly, like this vision is something that the universe put into my heart and now the universe is making it happen the universe is bringing all of the practitioners together the universe is connecting the medicine I'm just a bridge and um the universe is bringing you know collaborators that it's brought us together so um it's my honor um to be in this path of service and and this is near and dear to me because um you know, my brothers and sisters are out there doing some some really hard, 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 hard hazardous work. And like you said, a lot of folks are suffering. And in the off season, we really don't know what to do with ourselves. And um, so like right now, people that are listening, um, you know, wildlandwellnessfoundation.com and wildlandwellnessfoundation at gmail.com can hook you up with um, practitioners Thomas is doing some awesome, like, um, weekly firefighter support group stuff. Like, there are some options that we have now for that for people that are suffering. All you have to do is reach out. And, um, and then in the meantime, like, just stay tuned because we're going to keep working to, like, make some really, really tangible things, like, like happening. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm so excited for the project and, and, uh, you know, the website's going to be in the show notes and your Instagram and all that stuff and how they can get a hold of you. And that's all going to be in the show notes for everybody listening. And, um, cool. you know, is there any, any closing thoughts, anything you want to close on before we kind of wrap up here? 
I just want to say thank you for this opportunity. And it's been really, it was very cathartic for me to tell my story today. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for your time. And um, yeah, it's an honor and a blessing to be to be here of service. Wow. Thank you so much for your story. Thank you for everything that you shared, your wisdom and your personal power that you bring. And um, for everybody listening, you know, I hope I hope we've uh, opened your mind a little bit and we're pointing you in a direction of, of healing and helping you go deeper into yourself. And thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one. All right. Take care.